Hello and welcome to the Shock Your Potential podcast. I am your host, Michael Sherlock. Each one of us holds great potential, and tapping into that potential is my passion and my mission. Shock Your Potential is a global leadership training company dedicated to creating positive, productive, and profitable workplaces. We develop, nurture, train, and guide leaders at all levels and at all points in their career. Through this podcast, I get to interview amazing leaders who are shocking their own potential and the potential of those around them. Learn more about us today at shockyourpotential.com and shockyourpotentialpodcast.com. And don't forget to check out my two best-selling books, Tell Me More, How to Ask the Right Questions and Get the Most Out of Your Employees, and Sales Mixology, Why the Most Potent Sales and Customer Experiences Follow a Recipe for Success. Join us now as we meet another great guest. And don't forget, subscribe, rate, and like us today. Welcome to another edition of Shock Your Potential, my little business podcast that focuses on excellence in leadership, sales, and the customer experience. And by now, you know, I have a unique variety of guests, and I am so excited to have this guest on today, not only because I was uh, given the opportunity to be on his podcast, which I'm going to tell you a little bit about, but just because he has such a unique way of looking at the world and is trying to make sure that he's surrounded by other like-minded people, that which he calls funky thinkers. And I think you're going to have a, a great time with us. So welcome to the show, my friend, Jonathan Sr. with Funky Thinkers. It's a nice, it's so nice to have you with me today. Very good. Yeah, thank you. How are you? I am doing great. And obviously by your accent, in case people didn't uh, pick that up, you are from uh, what we call the other side of the pond. I don't know how you refer to us in the US. So what I find like is that maybe North Americans are not used to listening to British accents. Oh my goodness, a real British person who's not Prince Charles or Prince Harry. And uh, any kind of taste. And we get a show, we get a channel, sorry, called uh, 5US, uh, which has got endless repeats of CSI on. So thanks for that. So we have no problem. <laughs> so um, sorry. Um, but I just freelance for a moment or two so people can pick the accent up and it doesn't actually dabble them, dazzle them even. Um, I love it. I love accents. <laughs> um, and uh, I come from a place called Sheffield, which is in the north of England. And some famous Sheffielders include uh, singer Joe Cocker, rock band Def Leppard, the Human League, uh, Olympic athlete Jessica Ennis, and ex-England cricket captain Michael Vaughan. Oh, my goodness. Uh, <laughs> you yeah. do have a number. <laughs> so I didn't mean to dive in like that, but I wanted to kind of shock you, if you like. I love it. I love it. And actually, it's funny because uh, on my... Um, when I use my GPS app, my Waze app here in the US, I have, uh, you know, you can choose different voices. So I currently have, I currently actually have a New Zealander male voice, but I often have <laughs> a male um, a British accent. And it's so funny because uh, every once in a while, if I'm back home visiting my mother and we're driving somewhere, she she's like looking around like, who's the man with the accent in the car? I'm like, that's my GPS. <laughs> have you ever seen um, a TV show called Dad's Army? No. Which is about the home guard in the war. And uh, it was filmed in the late 60s, early 70s. And they were all, the home guard were men of retired age that stayed at home, mainly along the south coast, to guard against German invasions. That's the, that's the title, like Dad's Army. 
because they're all elderly gents. And one of the, the sergeants, Sergeant Wilson, has a very awfully nice voice. And you can get a Sergeant Wilson voice. voice. Would you mind offering 10 minutes? Yeah. That type of, uh, that's awfully nice. You could go straight ahead of this roundabout. The really kind of overly posh, what we call clipped accent. Yes, and I love it when I take the third exit at yeah. the roundabout. Yes, I'll talk about that. So you can... Exactly. Well, Jonathan, you um, you have this concept of you know getting to know and embracing and kind of collecting those of us that uh, that you consider funky thinkers. So you know, talk a little bit about that. What makes you passionate about you know what this group is that you call? Tell us a little bit about it. Well, uh, I for a day job, if you like, do uh, webinar consulting with speakers and authors who do things like slide design. Uh, landing page and emails and all that kind of stuff. And, and a while since, I was uh, I was looking for some differentiator because everybody's webinar technology is easy. You go by the software and you get going and all that. And I was looking for some way of some way of differentiating. And I one of the this is a, two or three four years ago. And one for one Christmas, one of my kids got a Guinness Book of Records. And at that time, I was doing a show called Tuesday's Webinar, which was like a kind of live version of one of these, right? And um, I looked, I thought, is there, a, is there a world record for the most people on a webinar? And it turns out it's something like 40,000 or something. I thought, well, that's not going to happen. But being a, being a triathlete for over 20 years, I looked to see if there was a longest webinar, you know, in terms of duration, right? And there was, and it's 36 hours and a few minutes, 20 minutes, 10 minutes, something like that, which is kind of 10 o'clock one morning till 10 o'clock the next night, plus a bit. Of, and I thought, that's doable, that's my goodness. That's something that I that's a crazy amount of time for a webinar. Well, it is, but but I thought, well, how hard can that be? And it turns out it's actually quite hard. Um, so the two people, that, when if, if you if you know anything about Guinness, uh, you go to Guinness and say, I want to break a world record. Right? The first thing they say is, okay, give us some money for the Guinness man to show up in the blazer or in the stock and all that. And we got right, and it's substantial. It's a lot of money. So that was out. So yeah. it became, if I use the word scrounging, would you, you know what that means, Michael, if I said scrounging? Yeah, you're trying to, you're going to try to be creative to find out however you can make it happen. Yeah, it's like, it's like, yeah. Right? So I started scrounging around, okay, will you help me? Right? Do you want to be a speaker? Do you want to be a guest? Do you want to be a whatever? Right? And people, people were quickly put into one of two categories. The first category of person said, I'm going to stay up all night and talk to people all around the world and <laughs> not go to bed. How, how is that? Why would you want to do that? And and the second category of people said, "What? Right, you're going to stay up all night and talk to people all around the world and not go to bed? I want to be in. Yeah, I'm in. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. And we didn't know. I, I was looking for a name for those people, and it wasn't a week or two after till we christened them the Funky Thinkers, mm-hmm. because they were people that could go. I mean, on my show, somebody, a, a guest, had said, "Who would have thought that people would be interested in my random musings?" But that's the point that you can have some random thing that might generate an idea that you would have thought of using conventional Absolutely. business building techniques, whatever they are. You know, we need to, we're in the age of the super fast broadband and super fast, you need to think, okay, well, you know, most people are broke in, in debt or all three. Conventional means, conventional way of doing stuff hasn't worked. Um, so I, I gave up trying to cover, we call them normalized, by the way, the people that aren't funky, they're the normalized. I get up trying to convert the normalized into my, they either get it or they do. If they don't get it, fine. I've no problem with that. You know, I want to live in my own world, surrounded by people that get it. 
I mean, there are people that live near me, normalised. They think, why, can you, why would you want to talk to someone in a different country? Why would you want to do that? They just couldn't, you know, the next motorway junction is a different, a different country to some people. Um, it's a world out there, and there's lots of things that we can learn from other people, other cultures, other ways of doing stuff. And we've got to, we've got to take that on board. And like I said, we, we, uh, we call them the funky thinkers. doesn't really mean anything. Um, if I had to write funky syllabus... I don't, probably couldn't, but I know what if I see one. You know, absolutely. Um, uh, some examples of funky thinkers: Sex Pistols. If you know anything about them, read the Definitive History of Punk Rock. They were definite funky thinkers. <laughs> we got a thing near us. You probably got them over there. Actually, we've got a, a village near us called Saltaire. Yeah. Where it's a Victorian factory where the factory owner built a village for his workers to live in. You presumably got something like that, Saltaire. They definitely way outside their time. That's it. Yeah, because sick workers are never right. I mean, there's quite an element of uh, seriousness about it. Um, and I come across as quite, quite knockabout, but there is quite a, I could tell you how much the longest way in Arcade converted at, you know, and very few people could actually do that. It's out there, tell you, you know, where the visitors came from and, you know, who's doing what and all that kind of stuff. And there's a, there's a bit of science behind it, but generally speaking, we're looking for new ideas and we're cycling through things that people throw now somebody said the other day on one of my shows you know we can we talked about something and i said this is under the heading of if you want a new idea read a book so to some extent we're not necessarily focused on bright shiny objects we're looking at you know how can we improve this by you know if you get one of the software companies it's not microsoft it might be adobe they have a best failure award because the thinking goes if you have oh, yes. you know 100 lousy ideas you'll get one killer idea yeah, I think you see that in things even like uh, at, you know, Microsoft and, you know, at places like Twitter, you know, where they want to encourage their people to spend as much time at work as possible. So they create an environment that makes them comfortable. <laughs> you know? There was a thing on the radio yesterday, um, which I don't know if you could listen. Could you get BBC Five Live? I don't know if you can get that uh, on iPlayer or something, but um, there was a Women in Space Day or morning or a session or something. And it was talking about this astronaut, that American, that a lady that had gone into space. And every day she sent, a three-year-old son said, all my mommy does is go to space and do interviews. <laughs> every night she sent him a video, like a goodnight story or something like that, while she was in the space station. I can't remember her name. But that is cool. That is so cool, isn't it? Um, but that's what I mean about box. That is, so the box, right? The box is, you know, how many thousand miles the space station is up. Sent him a goodnight story from the space station. That is so cool. Right. Absolutely. Well, and you know, it's it to me, as I have been thinking about this, you know, one of the, I use it myself, but I hate it every time I say it. And anytime I think about it, it drives me crazy. But the whole um, statement of think outside the box. And, you know, I don't know how that even applies to the world anymore, because there is no box. Everything that we, you know, have we have a new opportunity. We have to look at the world through different lenses in order to move forward. Otherwise we're moving backwards. And yet, you know, there's still this concept in people's minds that if you think outside the box, that means you're very creative or, you know, you're doing something different. And I'm thinking if you're just only thinking out of the box, you're not even where we need to be because we need to be, the box is so far behind us now. Why are we even standing close to the box? That's very profound, and I've noticed this, and I've just written down, um, anybody listening from this side of the, the water, uh, Porridge Open All Hours, Generation Game, which got canned after two episodes, the remake, I've been served, Dad's Army made another film, uh, and Minder. And you're right, I think, you're looking to hold on to something that's gone. And, and all these things, 
uh, porridge was early 1970s, open all hours was early 1980s, generation game was uh, the last 40 years. Um, we're looking for something there that they, a lot of these things, I don't particularly talk about the structure of comedy, but they were just being deadly serious about the world, sitcoms and stuff like that. And we, we, it's his nephew. In Open All Hours, it's his, it's his nephew that now runs the corn shop. Open All Hours being British slang for a shop where it's open from early in the morning to late at night, right? But you're right, we, we're looking for something. We have a thing near us, a big, massive uh, uh, arena, indoor arena, and every year they have a over 35s, Stars of yesteryear playing each other at five side football or soccer. Mm-hmm. So from all the local teams, from they have an over 35s night, you can go get tickets and you can watch. And I, I don't know why that is. A fear of the future, maybe? Holding on to the past? I don't know. But we'd notice that. Sorry. Um, yeah. <laughs> I was another thing that's kind of interesting to me right now. I don't know if you guys are experiencing this in Europe, but. We are having this, uh, you know, I don't watch a lot of television. I have a couple things that I watch um, and not religiously, except for kind of how I start my day. But um, we have this resurgence of all these shows from 20 and 30 years ago that are being remade with the same casts that look so much like they did in, you know, 30 years ago, 20 years ago. That you know they've they've kept the settings you know the uh, you know uh, whatever their environment what do you the stage looks exactly the same the people look older but strangely the same because you've seen them over the last twenty years and now this is just an explosion where we're going to have you know a couple dozen different TV shows from the eighties and nineties that are going to uh, be back on the air and it makes me wonder like what are we what are we craving that we have to go backwards in time to feel comfort in where we are today? Yeah, I think there's, there's, a, there's a, I'm going to give you a pro and a con there, um, but a con which is which? The con is the bad thing, right? Yeah, the, the, the con is that nobody wants to keep stock anymore. And I know, I know a, a lad who lives up in the village and he lives in a brand new house, well, less than 10 years old, and something's gone wrong with his um, kitchen, uh, uh, shower, right? Uh the bit what he needs to repair this shower, nobody wants it, nobody keeps it. The last he heard, they got one in Denmark or somewhere. But the thing is, nobody wants to keep any stock because they don't want to get caught out with things like Toys R Us collapsing or whatever it is in their industry. So nobody wants to get caught with the baby when the money runs out, right? The con of that, no, the pro of that, that's the good thing, right, is what I've heard called recently the Uber of everything. So let's say you are a small-time handyman. And typically, you've put a thing, a notice in, like, the, a shop window. You know, I'll cut your grass. Now, I've got an app, and I say, I want somebody local to come cut my grass. Ten minutes later, somebody on the next street arrives with a grass cutter in the back of his car ready to cut my grass. He's found me via the app. Oh, yeah. All right, that's smart. That's, that's, and then the guy's sticking, you know, there, but there are loads of people that could help you design a better ad to put it in the window. There are loads of people that could help you do a better USP, but except that's not how people buy stuff anymore. Yes. You know, pizza Hut, uh, or one of the pizza hoots. Do you have, um, well, yeah, it doesn't matter which pizza, but one of the pizza companies over here has a zero-click app, and yeah. when you set it up, you set up what your default order is. Mm-hmm. Right. So family of four, you have chicken chips, four Cokes, coleslaw, whatever. Right? 
if you when you open this app, if you don't do anything within so many seconds, it automatically orders that and brings it to you, right, with a man in a van, right? That's smart. And it's, it's like money for no reason, isn't it? I mean, that's just no reason to actually do it. I can't bother to click my phone, so I just open this app and a pizza and some coals or whatever comes along in the... 20 minutes later, half an hour later. You know, we're seeing this huge uh, change in in retail in the U.S. I'm I'm assuming that you guys are in the U.K. as well. But you know, where box stores, you know, the stores on the corner or the big giant malls, they're they're folding, and these big brands are folding, and people want to blame Amazon because you can order things and it's delivered to your door the next day. And yes, I think that's part of it. I. I I can't doubt that. But to me, why are we just giving up instead of trying to have a different experience for that customer? And so now we see these really small micro brands that had a, have a very small following. So maybe a really, I can't think of the name of it, but there's this really um, small specialty sneaker company, you know, that has a few select clients, you know, so what I mean is they probably have a hundred thousand customers as opposed to, you know, a million customers. And they're now opening small, unique, boutiques in downtown New York, in downtown Philly, in these large places where, you know, these other businesses have gone out, but they're not stocking it filled with product to try on then. They're they're creating an experience and they want people to engage with the brand at a different level. So you can still come in and maybe you can try some things on, but you're not trying to carry an inventory of, you know, 500 pairs of these shoes. You're trying to have enough that people have it, but you want to get them committed to your brand, which is to me is like, God, why are, you know, just the fact that now people are starting to think that way and say, just because one thing's happening doesn't mean we roll over and die from this. It means we better start looking from a different lens right so i mean people look at things like mcdonald's and they're gonna oh, i'm gonna copy what mcdonald's are doing now well that's stupid because mcdonald's have a loyalty card that's the part of the story yeah a loyalty card i've got to collect six uh stamps to get on a to get a free coffee or whatever i, I read somewhere once where there's somewhere in london where there are six independent coffee shops and they used a disloyalty card and to get, <laughs> to get a free <laughs> coffee so you've got to go to all of them and get a stamp from each of them <laughs> so that kind of element of gamification if you like and I think you can make it into a treasure hunt. You could do anything just rather than – but the conventional world says, we've got to do better ad, we've got to do better this, we've got to do better that. We, the likes of us, we don't have bottomless money, you know, uh, so we've got to think a little bit a little bit funky. And I love that disloyalty card. I mean, that's – Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, and, and I also – I just recently um, listened to – he's the – concept uh, developer of a, um, you know, a kind of a healthy foods and it, you know, we don't call it fast food in this genre, but kind of healthy food, fast, whatever. Um, and it, he started it in Philly that he's got a number of locations. He had somebody develop an app for his business. And so the app is, has the order feature, which is just what you're talking about. And you can, you know, order and have it delivered or order and pick it up. But he created um, different games you can play. So you can play on the app and you can earn points that you can convert to a free soda next time or, a, you know, upgrade a side of soup or things. And, and as I listen to him, I'm like, that is just, it's brilliant. I mean, because you want people to go and live in the space that's going to keep them connected with your company. And that engages people. The, the, the reason why I get the same questions is because, uh, well, several reasons. A, I'm too lazy to do what you do and to get some kind of discussion. Bear in mind, I do webinars. You know, So the guy comes on and says, how do you find out about me? This was off mic. How do you find out about me? And he said, "You know, I have this girl in the Philippines or Bangladesh or somewhere that looks for podcasts and shows. 
and there you go and i dumped some stuff here and here we are right and here's my here's my junk i don't swear at all but here's my junk right and i'm going to tell you about my junk right apart from him and his mum and dad and his brother and sister nobody in the world is interested in that nobody you only soap operas on tv what's the number what, what's the number one genre of tv right reality tv what's the number two genre reality tv outtakes yeah, so what happens after the show finishes, right? What happens after that, right? So, and I just thought, I don't want to be a mouthpiece for somebody else's propaganda. I don't want to be, oh, you've got nine ways to do this or that. Well, how many nine ways to do something do people need? We don't need any more of that. So I just figured that I would, everybody gets the same questions with me. I, I've, I've got a quite a check work background. I've worked in a lot of, I've worked in debt recovery. I've worked in systems design. I've worked in customer services. I've worked in plain English. I've worked in all sorts of things. I can kind of talk about most things. Um, at a, that's when I said I'm going to check out if you get a bit deeper. Right? I don't mind doing deep, but you know, I'd kind of check out after a bit. But so everybody gets the same questions. Uh, they can use it to soft sell with a small S and a small S their stuff. But you know, nobody wants to hear, "Hey, I've got a book, and you go, guys, have got to go buy it." Well, we don't want to hear that anymore. Okay, tell us about the process of how you wrote it. Tell us about where you got your inspiration from. Tell us about some mistakes that you made. Tell us about, you know, what if you were going to tell your younger self, you know, that's what people are interested in and that's what people are going to buy. Right, wrong. Mm-hmm. Just done a battle over here. I've written a book about customer services. <sighs> <laughs> Except when I'm talking about my book about customer service. <laughs> It hasn't come out yet. No, but I I agree. And it's interesting that you say that because the process and the process of becoming one of your guests is you have to apply. And I think that's fabulous because it makes you have to stop and think, you know, really, why am I doing this? And, you know, the application is nothing more than, you know, really telling about yourself, but you need to have a compelling story. And, you know, so if there's people listening and you're like, you know what, I, I do think differently, or, you know, I've got a different kind of message, then I really encourage you to follow the links and everything I'll have on the um, show notes for Jonathan's podcast, because it's, it's very, it's a very unique experience. But coming off the path of that, I actually had a couple after I taped your episode and it aired, I had a couple different people reach out to me to want to be on my podcast. And that's kind of a unique thing. I'm now I'm to the point since I launched this in January, now I'm getting people coming to me. You know, I I sought people out and I started with people I knew and then, you know, it's kind of grown to people that interest me. But now I'm getting people, you know, now that I've been doing this for several months, people are coming to me. But I had a couple people... And some of them were great fits. And I'm like, you know, okay, let's get you locked and loaded. We'll get you taped. And then I had a couple where I'm like, I, you know what? I just feel like you're here just to sell your own stuff. And I get it because ultimately, you know, that's why we do media, you know, is to make sure that we've got the word out or, you know, to raise awareness. But I, I had the same feeling of, you know, I've always sought people out or I've been able to pick and choose. And now, I, now I'm to the point where I really can pick and choose who's right for my podcast and, and what kind of message do I really want to promote with people? Well, here's the thing. You have to put, uh, I can't remember what the exact question is, but you have to put, oh, what's your funky story, right? And you get 267 characters. Mm-hmm. Now, why is it that? Because most people go, you know, tell us about you and they just paste in. Yeah, their bio. 20, mm-hmm. I've, got the, I've got the pages to read, right? And what they said, tell us your story, right? 267 characters or whatever, right? And I replied to one guy, I said, ask for 267 characters, you wrote 2,000. I <laughs> <laughs> 
and he never. Got then back. you know exactly what kind of guess that. Yeah, well, yeah, exactly. But it's all about him. It's all about his stuff and his things and all that. And people are kind of switched off by that. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so let me uh, get to uh, you know the one question I want to make sure that I ask everybody. So you know you you've done a lot of things. You're on a definite fun journey. You know with what you're doing right now. Not only you know you're. You're kind of like you said, your day to day stuff, but what with what you do with your podcast and and your kind of the group of people you're surrounding yourself with. But you know, knowing what you know now, you know when you looked back or you could go meet you know younger self at some point in time, you know what would you what would you tell the younger Jonathan um, to prep him for or help him change course for uh, for the future? I nobody nobody saw nobody predicted the internet coming. Right. Now, nobody has, nobody predicted how it would change our perceptions about the world, how it would change our perceptions about how we talk to each other, the manner which we talk to each other, the language which we use, which we talk to each other, and we're seeing that, the ongoing debates about hate speech and all that kind of stuff. One man's hate speech is another man's freedom of speech and all that. I'm probably like you in that I'm from the generation where you were nice and you were polite and you showed up on time and you were quite respectful of other people. Um, in terms of what they thought and you know but I would tell myself from 25 years ago that I mean British Rail used the phrase reasonably on time <laughs> British Rail, the train, this train is reasonably on time truth in advertising I, I, I really hate I hate being late and I hate people are late but to some extent people so what <laughs> you know, that's that and that's what I mean about um, with like the internet, right? It was get it when we want. We get stuff yeah. on, when we want, right? And I would tell my previous self, no, my previous self would tell my future self, just just, just ignore all that because you're not going to change how other people think about the world because they were born into a different view of the world. I think yeah. that we, by the time we get to our kind of middle to late teens, you know, 15, 16, 17, we kind of get out the world where we fit into it, who we want to hang around with. Uh, and I I tell myself that it's okay to, to move outside of that. Because nobody else cares if you're, you know, late, apart from me. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> uh, so that's what I would say. Nobody predicted it. We, thought, we all thought, you know, the 2000s were going to be robots and, you know, shiny spacesuits and all that. Well, we're pretty close. <laughs> nobody predicted the internet. That's true. And I have to be honest that as you were talking originally and you said nobody predicted the internet in my head, I thought, you know, I would have told my younger self to buy Microsoft yeah. stock. <laughs> a, uh, yeah, that's the thing. Uh, buy domain names as well. You know, exactly. Go, go buy a boatload of uh, generic domain names. <laughs> yes. And you've got Caribbean Island now. Um, so that's that's it. I think that we, so we don't know what the – uh, the next 20 years are going to be. I mean, my somebody who was on my show said, you know, he's worried about his, his little girl growing up. I said, well, I'm pretty sure that our parents weren't worried about Instagram. Right. They weren't worried about stalking on Facebook because they didn't know it would come in. Right. You had to be, you had to be wary of the, the creepy-looking guy driving his, you know, van slowly around the block. The guy hanging around the playground with the packet of sweets. Right, that you could see and you could understand and you could... You could, um, I, you know, in, in some sense, um, protect yourself, you know, more clearly because it was much more tangible. And you're right; it's a, it's very yeah, different. Yeah. yeah, very different. And that's what I'd tell my future self if I was younger. You know, I and I, 
this is going to time travel. And, you know, I, I, asked, I asked that question. And somebody asked me, where would you go in the time machine? I said, I'd go to the 18, whatever it was, Royal Institute Christmas lecture where Michael Faraday proved that time travel was impossible. That's where I... <laughs> I love it. I love that question too, because it, you know, every time I, you know, answer something like that, people look at me a little funny, like, uh, okay, so you live, because I think I told you, I'm pretty sure I lived a different life. I also was an Egyptian something and I lived at the height of Athens, you know, in the Acropolis. And, but, you know, it's, those are the things that, you know, I daydream about that I think do show, I don't know, either that I'm psychotic or uh, <laughs> that I'm at least creative. One of the things happening, right? Probably both. Right? The first yes. thing they're looking like your nose, right? You'll get served quicker, right? Exactly. It all works. And then I'm still on time, right? <laughs> yeah. So I'll have a shout out <laughs> This has been just a joy. I'm really glad that uh, that we had a little bit of a podcast uh, crossover because I've really enjoyed it. I enjoyed the the format. And uh, for everyone who is uh, looking for more information, I will have this on the show notes. But what's the best p- way for people to follow your podcast, Jonathan? Uh, oh, the best way to follow my podcast, go to jonathan.biz and just click on podcast and it takes you to all the previous episodes. There's uh, all the previous episodes sent out. That's J-O-N-A-T-H-A-N, jonathan.biz. If you want to get on Funky Thinkers, you can go to funkythinkers.com forward slash apply. Absolutely. And uh, remember, keep it to 67 characters. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, I was going to read it. Exactly. Why would you spend the time? <laughs> well, as we uh, wrap up today, are there any last words of wisdom that you'd like to uh, share with my audience? Everybody always says last words of wisdom. I'm never sure what they, what they mean. If they made it this far, well, good. Well done. Mm-hmm. You know, I can say. So if you've made it this far, send me a tweet at John C and you won. Very good. I like it. Excellent. Well, I will have all your contact information, like I said, on the show notes. And I greatly appreciate having you on today. I I am very proud that you accepted me as one of your funky thinkers because uh, it's an honor that I didn't know I would receive, but I feel very blessed to be a part of that group. <laughs> Love it. Michael, thank you. You're welcome. Have a wonderful day, Jonathan. Thank you. thank you for joining us on another episode of Shock Your Potential. Please remember to subscribe, rate, and like our podcast. And for more information, find us at shockyourpotential.com and shockyourpotentialpodcast.com.